Hi everyone, Paul from the Barbecue Guy. I'm here today with Matt, and we're just going to catch up on uh, how Matt's cook went with the last time we spoke. Uh, Matt cooked a, was cooking a brisket. Uh, it was actually on the day that we'd done it. Uh, going to have a bit of a chat about that. We're also going to have a have a chat about the the five mistakes people make commonly in um, in barbecue, um, and by learning from these other people's mistakes maybe you might be making those mistakes as well and you can you can stop making them and it'll help improve your barbecue how you going matt morning paul how are you mate yeah good man um first question is is how did that brisket turn out man i'm really excited to hear mate for my for my first brisket i was extremely impressed with it uh, um it uh it, it pretty much went according to plan uh, the timing timing worked out perfectly. It was a nice early start, 4 a.m. in in the smoker. Um, got it out when I wanted to, around the four four o'clock mark. Plenty of time to rest it. Came out beautiful. Everyone was really impressed. Had enough left over for a couple of lunches the next couple of days. Um, yeah, beautiful. So, like I said, for the first one, you know, extremely ecstatic with how it turned out. Got a couple of things I can try on the next one to improve it even more. But um, yeah, heavily impressed and. Thanks again for all your support and help uh, during that cook. It was it was well worth it. Yeah, no, that's fine, man. That's fine. I'm happy to help. Um, so, so what were some of the lessons that you actually learned um, from not only our conversation but from doing that cook? What what did you learn that the mistakes that you learned um, that's going to help you next time? The biggest, the biggest mistake, well, I wouldn't even call it a mistake, but the biggest thing that I learned after doing the first one is don't freak out so much about how it's going to go down. Um, there's a lot of people out there with their own advice or their own options and they like to do it this way, they like to do it that way and there's a hundred different combinations of ways you can cook it. Um, I just found out by just following some of the basic rules, you know, with the, the seasoning and in some temperatures and how long you're cooking it for and, you know, if you're... Uh, what is it? If you're looking, it's not cooking, you know, just let mm. it go and let the smoker do its thing. Um, mm. And just checking it once every couple of hours type thing. And it, it turned out perfectly. Um, so after you do your first one, you realize, wow, that wasn't so difficult. And it still turned out pretty, pretty delicious. Um, mm. So that's the, the next one. I'll be much more confident to just trust my gut, get it in the smoker, let, let the smoker do its thing and trust that the process will work. Mm. that's probably the biggest thing I learned coming out of it yeah but that's the same in anything you do mate like whether you're learning to ride a bike or a skateboard or you cook a barbecue or you go fishing or whatever it is like you it's you get on it you give it a go you fall over you get back up you give it another crack and that's that's probably the it's more of it's a life lesson in, in anything you do really like whether you're running a business or if you're just cooking barbecue for yourself like you just get in there and give it a crack. Not every time is going to be perfect. I've had my fair share of failures. Don't, don't worry about that, mate. So um, exactly. it's good. It's, uh, I'm glad that you've, um, you've gained that confidence, man. That's, that's really refreshing that you've been able to achieve that. And I'm, I'm really happy that I've been able to help you to achieve that. Um, have you cooked much else since then or? Uh, to be honest, I haven't done a whole lot since then. Um, I still still do me chicken wings quite regularly just because it's a nice cheap option for dinner and 
Mm. You know, it takes an hour or so to cook them. So I still do a fair few chicken wings. I did some jalapeno poppers the same day I did the brisket as well. Uh, for the first time, tried them out. They uh, they turned out really, really good. Um, mm. I've wanted to try them since I got the smoker and I finally did some of them. But I've, I've done that. Plus, I've cooked a few uh, small sort of eye fillet steaks just for dinner. A couple of small ones, cooked them in the smoker and, you know, reverse seed them and things like that. But no big cook. So I'm keen to get another brisket in. I'm keen to do some short ribs. Um, the biggest thing is just budget. Sometimes, you know, being able to, it's not, uh, it's the budget plus, especially with the brisket, you got to have some kind of event. You can't just cook one for yourself. It's, it's a it's a, it's a big day and a lot of money for a, for a dinner for yourself or something. So you got to sort of have some kind of occasion for it. So I'm keen to get one in there. It's funny you bring up the budget thing and I've, I've banged on about this a lot lately on some of my other podcasts and Facebook lives and stuff I've done is that the price of meat in Australia at the moment is just absolutely ridiculous for a lot of the things. And I went to my supplier to buy um, a particular type of short rip and I went in there and he goes, oh, this is the last time you're getting it at this price. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you guys are just killing the market. I go, what are you talking about? And he goes, you guys, you only want to eat brisket. You only want to eat short ribs. You, you only want to eat ribeye steaks or scotch fillets. There's still three quarters of a cow left. What are we meant to do with the rest of that? So we're going to start charging you for those that are only buying those particular cuts. You're now going to pay wow. for them. You're now going to pay for them. And I, I was bitterly disappointed with that. And um, to be quite honest, I haven't been back since. And very, very high chance that he's going to be listening to this podcast. But um, I, uh, I've pretty much all stopped using him because I found a wholesaler who's prepared to sell me the low and slow cuts um although i am trying to diversify and i'm trying to teach um my customers that there's more to steak than just a a scotch fillet although scotch fillet and i had a 30 uh, talking about scotch fillet i had a 30 30 day dry age scotch fillet last night that was absolutely blow your mind but um <laughs> I, for lunch yesterday i um, in, in my shop i'd done a demonstration on uh, cooking some tri-tip um have you ever tried tri-tip no never have and to be quite honest mate this was the first time i'd ever cooked it i'd seen it cooked I'd, i knew how to cook it but i've never actually done it so i ordered some in four tri-tips to a packet there was and um, they were all, <coughs> excuse me, um, uh, Wagyu Cross tri-tips. So they had a bit of marble to them. And um, I basically just set up the grill grates and cooked them directly on the grill grates. I didn't even reverse serum. They took maybe 20, 25 minutes on a really low grill. Um, the grill marks weren't stupidly strong like they normally would. But I, I managed to get that off the grill at a hundred and... 135 at one end, I think the other side was maybe 140. Uh, the thinner end was 140, so it's probably a little bit over medium rare. And um, I rested it for five minutes and sliced it. And if you look at my Instagram page, you'll see the, the photo of a tri-tip. It's absolutely 
perfect inside and it's, it's just so tender and delicious and it's the full essence of what a true steak should taste like. Like you, you get a porterhouse or um, I never used to eat rump. I, I ate so many bad rumps by going to, you go to the pub and you'd get a steak and you'd get a rump because you wanted a big steak and then the, the steak was just cooked like rubbish and it's very hard for a lot of people to cook it. But you get a tri-tip, you can feed out of one tri-tip steak, you won't finish it yourself. You'll get two to three people average out of one tri-tip steak. And it's the same as a rump cap. So I cooked some rump cap the other week, which is another part of the rump. Um, and an average one of those, you're going to feed two to three people out of. You can't eat one of them by yourself. And the beauty of it is, is they're about 17 bucks a kilo. You, you go looking at a, a, a scotch fillet, you go into Coles and you look at a half decent scotch fillet. Yeah. They're 27 to $35. And you, you're looking at up to 50 bucks a kilo for a nice, scotch fillet which is just absolutely laughable absolutely laughable so i cooked this tri-tip yesterday i used um my favorite rub at the moment for steak is um boar's night out double garlic butter michael from grill grapes told me about it 12 months ago he's friends with the guys from boar's night out in the states and he said you've got to try this rub and i got it in i've been banging on for about six months now about getting it brought into Australia and Hark of bringing Boar's Night out and they managed to get the double garlic butter in and I've tried it and it's not only awesome on steak, I've, I've cooked corn, the best corn on the cob I've ever eaten. I put double garlic butter on it and the rub, smothered it in butter, wrapped it in foil, put it in the gas barbecue and hands down to this day, it's the best corn I've ever freaking eaten. Um, I'll have to try it. <laughs> and... Um, um believe it or not mac and cheese so um i just instead of making mac and cheese from scratch i cheat i, I just get the um, the craft deluxe mac and cheese um it's in a blue box probably about half the size of an a4 sheet of paper and then i uh, just get it from the supermarket you get a handful of the four cheese melt that you put on like top of pizzas and on top of like when you make palmers and that at home put that in it and then maybe a tablespoon of the um the double garlic butter mix it all through and the best mac and cheese i've ever eaten it's absolutely insane this this rub i i i've tried i put it on fish my wife wanted some fish we went fishing in new zealand brought back some fish and um, I cooked some hapuka for her, which was that big fish that I caught that was on Facebook. And um, she wanted it cooked on the grill, on grill grates with um, Cajun. So we just get the, the Master Foods Cajun seasoning. But I didn't tell her that I put um, the double garlic butter on first and I put the Cajun over the top. And then I cooked it and then I served it, served it up onto the plate. She had a mouthful. She goes, what did you do to my fish? And I said, yeah. what do you mean? And she goes, this is amazing. What did you do? What's different? Why does it taste so different? It's just awesome. And I said, oh, that's the new Boar's Night Out rub. And so on fish as well, it's just, I can't find anything that it's not good on. It's just <laughs> everything I put it on, it just blows my mind at how good it is. So um, 
I'll, I'll have to send you up a bottle, mate, because I've got a spare one here. I'll have to send you up one. But um, yeah, that'd be good. I'd love to try that. It's um, it's awesome. Um, so trying to get back onto onto what we were talking about today is is lessons in barbecue. So probably the five the five lessons that I've got out of my time in barbecue that um. And you touched on one of them. It's probably the biggest one. And even a lot of my customers that come in and I'll, I'll talk to them and, I, and they, they're there and they're panicking and they're freaking out. Don't freak out. Um, you, you're freaking out because you're making it too complicated. You're freaking out because you don't trust yourself and the smoker to get it right. Um, by freaking out, you 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 just you just need to calm down. I'm talking to this guy yesterday. I was telling him he come in. He bought a brisket off me, and when people buy a brisket off me for the first time, I'll I'll spend five minutes with him and I'll run it through. Or I'll tell him how to cook it, whatever. And I, he goes, "Oh, how long would you put? How long before you wrap it?" I said, well, "What are you wrapping it for?" And he goes, "Oh, the moisture." I said, "This brisket." You won't need to wrap this brisket. He goes, what? I said, yeah. And, and that's probably the next thing is, is that people are under the illusion you have to wrap. You don't have to wrap. And by not wrapping, I'm actually getting better results. So in my class last weekend, I didn't wrap anything. I didn't wrap, didn't wrap any of my ribs. I didn't wrap any of my brisket or my pork pup. And yet they were... Last the class I'd done, what I cooked in there was hands down by far some of the best barbecue I've ever cooked. And just, just, just on that, Paul, just to interrupt you there. Uh, one of the last chats we had, you mentioned that video on YouTube. I think it was that. Um, uh, oh, what's his face? Uh, Franklin's um, barbecue. Um, yeah, had that yes. video where he had the one that was wrapped in uh, foil. The butcher's, uh, butcher's paper. paper and unwrapped. I actually went and watched that after you mentioned it and actually watched that video. And what you said was correct. Like, although each brisket was like, he cooked it obviously. So each one was amazing. Um, but even he was surprised because he, he always wraps his briskets and he was even surprised himself that the one that he didn't wrap the, that barbecue flavor he had in that bark. And uh, you touched on, it, you touched on it again before. You touched on it a second ago with your customer who came in and asked about wrapping it, and you said, "Well, you're not going to have to wrap this one because of the marbling in it." And that's uh, something we can we can elaborate a little bit more. That was the other thing that I, I learned on mine was I bought one that didn't have a lot of marbling. Mm. So what I would do next time if I bought the same one, this was the Costco brisket. If I bought another one again, I would then have that in mind that the, it wasn't overly marbled. So I do need to take a few extra steps to make sure that we keep it nice and moist. Mm. Um, so I think that's the difference between you know buying that high quality versus that slightly lower quality. Not that the not that the Costco ones are not any good because it's it was pretty amazing. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, you, that was something I learned too with the wrapping and not wrapping. Yeah. So the the Costco briskets, a lot of people, um, Costco, the, even the size. I was at Costco last weekend, and the size of the briskets have actually shrunk. They were actually. They used to be 11 and 12 kilo briskets, but they're now briskets as, as small as five and six kilos. Um, 
Now, for an average backyard cook, five and six kilos is, is more than enough. If you want to feed 30 people, yeah, go get your 11 kilo brisket. If you're doing catering and you're doing that sort of stuff, but a big brisket isn't necessarily better because the animal's older. It's It's been more chance that it's been subject to... Uh, it's been sick or it's had different... Um, different effects on the meat. Uh, it might have been more chance of the animal being injured. So you're going to find that if it's hurt its front leg or whatever it might be, is that that muscle under that front leg might be tighter than on on one brisket than the next. If you buy a, a, a younger animal, the chances of that happening are lesser. So traditionally the smaller briskets come from a younger animal so they come for an 18 to a 24 month old um and then the the larger briskets are sort of a a 36 to a 40 month old 48 month old um cow so which are a significantly bigger beast um now as far as marbling goes um, I was just talking to my brother who lives up in Armadale and he was saying that most of the feedlots up in northern New South Wales are empty at the moment. And the reason for that is, is that we've had so much drought um, they're now having to ship extra grain into Australia to keep the, the, the beef production up because our beef production is now so much more higher than what our grain production is. So the grain that they're bringing, they're bringing in grain from Canada specifically to feed these cows because there's just purely, the grain in Australia, it's more expensive to get grain from Australia shipped across, uh, whether it be from Western Australia to Queensland or something, than it is to, to bring the grain from Canada down to um down to North Queensland. It's, it's crazy yeah. to think, isn't it? It is, it is. So um, I've noticed it as well. Um, 12 months ago, I could buy a marble score one short rib, have a beautiful marble through it, buy the same thing now for, for $3 more because my wholesaler, he's, he's ripping me a new one at the moment. And in the last three years, my price of short ribs has gone up nearly $7 a kilo. Um, he, they're just shit. There's no marble in them at all. They're extremely lean. Um, when that happens, um, what I do find is, is there's a technique called boating and it's, it's, I find it better than, than wrapping. Now I've done this a few times is it still allows the bark to form and it's kind of my take on boating. Boating traditionally is, is you wrap it and then you open it, open the foil up and then the, you leave it sitting in the foil with all its juices. What I'll do is, is I'll get an aluminium foil tray, put the, the foil, um, put maybe a quarter of a cup of beef stock in the bottom of it and then sit the brisket in that after four hours. That will then 
Um, so basically, they, those juices are steaming and uh, are basically getting absorbed back into the meat. Although you're not covering it, you're not actually losing the bark and you're still going to be able to retain the moisture. The, especially, this works especially well in a gas smoker. So it's not a complicated method. And what you can do is you don't have to actually wrap the top of the foil tray. You just leave it seated in there. Um, and it, the steam's there and it rises in the, as the, as the juices bubble, it sort of comes, creates a, a moist atmosphere in the actual, in the smoker. Um, with those really lean briskets and the really lean meat that we've got at the moment, by putting it in that foil tray with half a cup to a cup, depending on the size of the piece of meat and depending on the size of the tray, obviously, um, that will make a huge difference. Like it, it'll allow that meat to retain the moisture and you also find that um that foil trail act as what like a diffuser plate as well so in a cabinet uh where the heat's coming directly from below it's going to push the heat to the it's coming straight up hitting the bottom of it so it's boiling the juices and then it's going getting pushed around so rather than it going straight onto the meat and that dry heat hitting the bottom of the meat it's actually hitting the foil pan boiling them boiling the the juices that are in that pan and that's that's all coming up to temperature as well but the, you've then got the ambient ambient heat around it is all moist as well so you you're finding that you're creating a, a really high moisture atmosphere and that's why those sort of smokers work so well like the, the water smokers and that sort of stuff you, you've got so much moisture in there that it becomes such a big benefit of having. So um, that's that's probably a good one. So freaking out is probably a, a uh, well, it definitely is a bad thing to do and you need to just trust yourself. Um, rubs, I've had, I reckon I've had 10 people in the last week ask me about rubs and the, uh, if I make my own rubs and some recipes and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think I've said this to you before, Matt, it is that reinventing the wheel just isn't necessary. When you get rubs like Bulls Night Out, double garlic butter, and you get rubs from Chris Marks, Three Little Pigs, that just create such an amazing flavour like people. Um, so there's a story I shared not that long ago with um, the first ever barbecue class. So Ricky from Bully Barbecue come and ran his first ever class with me two years ago. And um, we're sitting there and we had, we actually managed to score some pretty amazing meat. We had Wagyu short ribs, which I've only ever been able to get twice since. And I can no longer get them because the guy that I used to get them from doesn't work at the wholesaler anymore. He used to get them in specifically for me. But anyway, um, we had these Wagyu short ribs and they were cooked perfectly, mate. I heard them. And anyway, 20 people in the class, 25 people in the class or whatever it was, we were just sitting there, we served them up and everyone got a, got a short rib each. And then serving it up, and like the first half dozen people got it, got their rib. And then we hear from the back of the class, oh, 
fuck, this is good. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, that is just the, that is just the best response you could ever ask for as an instructor or that was done with three little pig rubs. That was, that wasn't his own recipe. That wasn't, that wasn't a, 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 a secret recipe that he used. All that was, there was three little pigs championship with three little pigs members over the top. And I think there might've been a light glaze of championship barbecue sauce on the outside of the rib and then put back in the smoker for half an hour. That's all it was. It wasn't a complicated method. It wasn't a, um, and yet it got that response. So all I'm trying to say, mate, is, is you, you don't need to, you, you, you'll find that if you go out and you buy all the ingredients to, to make your own rub, by the time you do that, you may as well have just gone gone online or whether it be from my website or wherever and, and bought something like Three Little Pigs and then watched a couple of technique videos on, on how to apply them and, and how to layer. Once you get that done, you just create the most amazing flavour profile. You, you'll never look back. My mouth's watering talking about it, but because I, I know how good it bloody is. Um, but I, I find that um, people, they just overcomplicate it and that's when they start freaking out and like even when you freak out and then you, you, you're trying to get the rub right because you can't get it and then if you can't get the, what, one of the big mistakes people make with, if they create their own rub, they can't balance it until it's on the meat. If they can't balance it until they've cooked it, you're then wasting every time and then you just lose track of it. Like it's just so hard to, like these guys that create rubs, they, they create a flavor profile and they, they'll be cooking competition and then they'll, they'll get it and then they'll get their validation by winning awards. But most of those things, they give up on it after sort of, ask Chris Marks how many, how many different rubs are on the market every five or six years. And yet rubs like three little pigs that have been on the market for 30 plus years, they've been on the market for 30 years for a reason because they're so damn bloody good. So, um, yeah, I think it's just, I think it's just one of those things, you know, you, don't get me wrong. I mean, you create something yourself, like it might be a rub, you know, whether it be a recipe for, for anything or, or a rub, if you can sort of say, oh, I cook this brisket or I cook this rib, and they go, oh, this tastes awesome. You go, yeah, yeah, it's my recipe. It's my rub. I can imagine that the satisfaction in that if you did hit it on the, you know, hit the nail on the head and get it right, it would be a big satisfaction. But It'd be it, it just depends It just depends on, it depends. I mean, if it's something you really want to do and you think, you know what, I, I really want to create my own flavor, my own taste, I say go for it. But that's something you've got to do on your own. You've got to trial and error. It's not something you can go to someone and say, hey, what's your recipe? How yeah. do you do it? I think it's just something, if you want to do your own rub and have your yeah. own flavor, you've got to have the time and you've got to be committed to say, I'm going to trial and error and test this over and over again until I get it. Otherwise, like I said, for me personally, I'm just going to buy the rubs. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and that's what I do, mate. Like, that's a part of my business. And I have, um, uh, um, I've got maybe five or six different rubs. 
and I get people asking me, I got, I got asked two days ago if I wanted if someone was bringing out a new rub range and I know the guys that have created this rub and I'm, this guy is renowned as one of Australia's um, best best pitmasters and he is not only on the competition circuit but he is he, he runs a restaurant in Sydney he's the head pitmaster there and he is an amazing chef pitmaster whatever you want to call him um, but yet uh, at the moment I've I'm happy with the range of rubs I've got why do I need to complicate my range to satisfy um, okay. you, there's nothing worse than walking into a barbecue shop or, or looking online and, and seeing a thousand different rubs because you look at them and you go, oh, I want a beef rub. Out of those thousand, there's probably 200. I had that the exact a, same, uh, I had that happen when I went to meat stock. Yeah. I, I was really keen on, you know what, I want to walk away with you with a new, with a new rub. Um, for for the brisket and i'm I'm extremely happy with what i chose but yeah there was so many different options and there's no way you can i just had to take i just looked at it and went you know i'm gonna just take it you know i had to just make it make a pick because mm. there's so many different options and everyone has their own brand and everyone has their, the best flavor if you're asking type thing. so it's yeah it's definitely overwhelming i do like when you go to some places and it's just you know what these are our rubs and you, this is the beef, this is the best one, this is a different type of flavour, a couple of different options, you make your pick. Mm. Too many options is not always good. So when I went to meat stock, I had 12 different rubs. And my top three selling rubs in order was uh, Three Little Pigs Touch of Cherry, which is a pork and chicken sweet rub. Boar's Night Out White Lightning, which is a steak rub and Three Little Pigs Championship, which were the three top rubs. Now, out of those, with those three rubs, you can cook everything. You can cook steak, you can cook brisket, you can cook chicken, you can cook fish, you can cook vegetables, you can cook literally anything and everything with those three rubs. Um, and every time you cook with them, it is going to blow your mind. And yet that is why um, the validation that I got, I think I sold, um, I think it was nearly 50 bottles of Touch of Cherry. Um, I think I sold, I ordered 100 and I sold nearly, nearly half of it. Um, so... I sold a lot of rubber meat stock and the biggest seller for me was Touch of Cherry and it was just, and even the comp teams that use Three Little Pigs, they just swear by Touch of Cherry. It's just such an amazing, an amazing rub and it's the results that they've had. Like um, Three Little Pigs um, uh, Memphis, the smoking joint went to Memphis in May, cooked lamb and got a perfect score. A perfect score. So, <laughs> and they, they, they travelled to the other side of the world to do that, to one of the 
world's most prestigious events. Like in America, the two biggest events are the American Royal um, um, and also Memphis in May are probably the two biggest um, the two biggest uh, competitions that you can go to. And to go to Memphis in May and inland, not only get a first place, but to get a perfect score is just blow your mind. And um, I've been telling those guys for, been working with them for 18 months, nearly two years now. And I've been telling them for two years that Memphis is an underrated, um, uh, underrated rub that you've ever had. Um, because out of the out of the packet, it's a very strong rub, but if you put it on with the right technique, it just blows your mind. So um, we'll keep going. So we've covered freaking out the rub, the smoke. So um, I don't know if you've had much of an issue with it, but it was for me when I first started getting the right smoke um, with with a smoker. I went in. We bought the smoker and I was told, yep, use these ones, use these wood chips. Yep, do this, do that, soak wood chips. And um, the first couple of cooks were absolutely disgusting. And um, I got, I got, it was bitter and I, it was just too overpowering and I just really didn't enjoy it. It's like, why can't I get this right? And then I swapped to wood chunks and then I tried with, putting the the wood chunks in different positions in the smoker and I was finding I was getting different different amounts of smoke um, in in the flavor and I've now got to the point where the two main smokers I use are both gas but in doing that I use techniques that allow me to just get a very subtle smoke flavor and I get um, a transparent thin blue smoke out of my gas smoker 99% of the time, except for when it's first starting up and the, the wood's just starting to smoulder. I get a little bit of a, a, a thin white smoke, but um, I, I very rarely, it's only if I use chips that I'll get a thick smoke. So um, the thick smoke, and you can almost, smell the difference in the smoke so one one will make you cough and and another one is almost a pleasant smoke so if you stand next to your smoker or in the direction that the wind's coming from and you can smell the smoke um if it's a thick white smoke it'll it'll it's it's really pungent and is really you can almost taste the bitterness in it where with a transparent smoke, it's you're getting it's it's almost trans when you look at it, see straight through it. It's translucent, it's transparent. Smell of it, it's almost sweet, um, and it's almost um, you still get that smoke flavour, and but you don't get that coughing, gagging feeling when you get that smoke the way that it should. So um, probably 
that that's probably the biggest tip and um, less is more. So it's uh, if you work on that principle, you you've got you use less um, less wood chunks, um, and then uh, any meat is only going to absorb smoke for the foot until it reaches 160 degrees Fahrenheit. It's not going to absorb any more smoke after that. So if you've got if you're cooking a brisket or whatever it is, until you either boat it or if you do want to wrap it because you're short on time up until that point, don't put any chunks after that. You just waste the money. You basically just throw money away. Um, and so it's only the first four hours that you're going to absorb absorb smoke. So that's um, probably that one. Um, just just next, just on yeah. just on that. It's um just to finish that bit up with this thing. It is it's very. I was in the same boat. It's very much, especially when, when, especially with gas smokers and you've got the wood chip box, it's called a wood chip box. Yeah. So like it's, that's when, when you don't know any better, you get a smoker and you go, this is called the wood chip box. You go to the, you go to barbecue galore or you go to Bunnings, you go anywhere and you get some, you go and then you're like, oh, I'm looking for wood chips. Mm. It's just such a thing. You don't realize it until someone has to sort of go, yeah, wood chips aren't the greatest. Cause I started with wood chips. Like most people would have, you know, stick a whole stack of them in the, in the smoker the first few times i did it they just burned through really quickly thick white smoke didn't know any better okay cool it's smoking that's good you're supposed to do that and then the next person goes oh it's you know if they're burning too quick soak them okay so i soak them you know soak them for 30 minutes sneak them in again they sizzle away and then they you know again thick white smoke beautiful the chips last a little bit longer than last time nice big thick white smoke that's what you want right you're smoking meat um and then not until you go to you go to chunks not don't don't soak them use it use only one or two little chunks put them in the back like you suggested last time get that thin smoke and a couple things you know you open the door and you don't get blasted at least if you are opening the door it's not as you're not getting blasted with smoke and getting it in your eyes as much as you would with the chunks so you, you definitely notice a massive difference when you do make the switch mm. so for those that didn't hear that tip in the last uh episode so uh, what Matt's talking about is the, the gas two-door smoker. So um, in that and the Big Boss smoker. So I'm not only an agent for Hark, I actually use Hark smokers. I do all my classes in a Hark Big Boss smoker. I I religiously use my gas smoker because I'm just I'm too lazy to use an offset. And I just won't sit there for 12, 14 hours stoking a a smoker in the middle of winter although it's nice and toasty right near the fire i'm not going to sit there for 12 14 hours um and then do six to eight hours of demonstration straight after it so i'd rather set up in a gas smoker get the same results and um people that have tasted my barbecue have said to me they go this tastes exactly the same as you would out of like a, a commercial trailer or out of a, a an offset smoker um and um some people like playing with fire and sitting there but i'll I tell you what the novelty soon wears off i've had my time doing that and i swear that i'll never do it again um but um with the with the gas smokers so the bottom tray is for wood chunks so this includes the algae versions take the take the lid off the tray you don't need the lid 
especially when you get some chunks, find somewhere to buy good quality chunks. Um, cherry chunks are my preference. Um, and I only buy, well, I only use cherry chunks for one reason, is because if you're mixing pork and beef at the same time, it's all right if you're just cooking pork, use apple. But if you're cooking pork and beef at the same time, I find that using cherry works better than using apple. Um, that's just something about the smoke. I can't pinpoint whether it's the taste or the texture or whatever it is, but there is something that is just that little bit different that just doesn't allow the... It just it doesn't balance right. It doesn't taste the same when you use um, uh, apple on beef. Um, I, I think that I think it just complements it so much better. Um, so you you put your wood chunks in there. Um, use two to three pieces at the very back of it, towards the back wall of your smoker. Then you lift the the tray up and you push. It in all the way so that trays then up against the back wall that then with those three wood chunks those three wood chunks should last you your whole cook and will create that thin blue smoke and um, could even last the whole smoke um, and maybe even some of it left the next time after the big boss um, is a little bit different the wood chunk tray is hot sits higher than it does in the two-door gas smoker so if you run the, the big boss at 225 to 250, which is what I try to do for my classes, um, it just gives you a little bit more room. Um, I will then run that just in the middle. And I just put back, I don't even worry about pushing it back to the back on the big boss because the trace it's higher and unless it's a roaring heat of over 300 degrees Fahrenheit it doesn't matter and you still get that thin smoke and you only need to add one to two chunks in the big boss because it just lasts so much longer <coughs> um, so the next one is, is temperature and people fussing over temperature now people go oh well what do you cook at and, and it's like and i go yeah, 250 and then and like i just said somewhere between 225 to 250 is good but if my smoker hits 275 i don't rush out there and shut it right down like all, all i do is you make small movements and you get just you as the day gets warmer open a vent up a little bit just allow a little bit of extra heat if you've already got it temperature as low as you can go on on the smoker um, you open one of the vents up just to allow a bit of extra heat to escape um, that's what i find with the big boss and the, the gas two doors is um, i'll just run it as as low as i can for as long as i can and then all i do is i just allow enough time like it's just there's nothing worse than having people turn up at 11 12 o'clock and then they haven't eaten because they know they're going to get they're going to gorge themselves on awesome barbecue and then 
barbecue's not ready till one o'clock and you go, but I've got to, I've still got to rest it. And then you've got to wait till half past one at the best. And then you just, you've, you ruin not only your day, but everyone else's day because you haven't allowed enough time. So the, the, that's why I cook lower and slower. Um, I, um, the other day I'd done um, the longest 20, I'd done a podcast, the longest 24 hours. And that gives you a breakdown on what I do in my barbecue classes and what I'd done last weekend. I basically did, spoke about 24 hours in 24 minutes and it was it's, it may seem rushed but that's what it was it was that full-on it was and in that 24 hours I still managed to get seven hours sleep but I wouldn't have got seven hours sleep if I didn't if I didn't have the gas smoker if I was using an offset smoker or uh, trying to do it on a Weber or a charcoal smoker uh, and most charcoal smokers that are, um, there's no way that I'd be able to go and get sleep um, and then back it up with being able to do a class. I was still exhausted at the end of the day, don't get me wrong, but nowhere near as exhausted if I had done 24 hours straight because I, well, it would have been 36 hours straight because I worked Friday, then I cooked, prepped Friday night, went to bed at nine o'clock and then got up at four o'clock Saturday morning and then prepared for the class from four o'clock Saturday morning. So um, I, I can't stress enough for people to allow that bit of extra time. It's not going to hurt. Get yourself a good esky. Um, I use the Technioice eskies. Um, they're made in China, but they're distributed out of Melbourne here. Um, I used to deliver containers to them, and I got a pretty good deal. I got a big 200-litre esky. And um, I, I basically put my barbecue into that. And then I find that um, that will, will keep, um, I've, I've filled that with me and it, it's taken 10, oh, I've six, seven hours. Um, I've had that um, keep meat warm. Um, and it's it's worked fine. So, um, so allowing that bit of extra time, um, and by using that lower temperature, it's going to be more forgiving. It's not going to be as harsh on the meat. It's going to. Um, we're talking before about lean meat. Cooking at a lower temperature is going to actually help you maintain that moisture in, in there. So. Um, and then probably the the last thing I want to talk about is resting, which I've already just mentioned, is, is when you rest the meat, you allow it to relax. You allow it to to relax and and just become tender and it's just the juices just sit in there and it allows the meat to break down that little bit more, which gives it so much more flavour. And um, it's just, it makes so much difference by, by allowing it to rest. Like I, I can, I prefer to rest like pork shoulder and brisket for up to two hours. I find that if I only rest it for half an hour to 45 minutes and then if I've got the next cook I do, 
I'll rest it for close to two hours. It's still piping hot, and yet you you find that it's um, it's just so much more tender, so much more juicier, and it's just it's just so much more better if you allow it to rest. And I know guys that cater that that will cater that will rest pork, pulled pork, like full pork pork butts um, in a Cambro for eight to 10 hours. So they'll cook it the day before and they'll leave it in the Cambro for almost hours um, to serve it the next day. So, um, and that's, and they still get really good results with that. So don't be scared to rest it. Um, so you got anything else to add, Mark? Uh, mate, I think we covered it. Just on that resting thing, I suppose it's a good point because what I did is, you know, another thing which ties back to the freaking out, you know, tip, you know, and I, like most people doing their first brisket, I was very overwhelmed with so many different things, you know, you think, Jesus Christ, it's just so much to think of, I'm, I'm going to stuff this up or whatever. So, you know, I sort of went, I want to get a good 12-hour cook. I want to eat by, you know, 7 o'clock. I want to rest it for an hour. So that means I've got to get it on at this time. And then I went, I'm going to add it on an hour. Even I'm going to even add an hour just, just yeah. to give myself an extra buffer, knowing that I can rest it for some hours, just to take that peace of mind to go, even if it's not cooking the way I want it, I've got another hour at least to let it continue to cook if I need it. And I've still got plenty of time to rest and then time to serve it and things like that. So I just gave myself an extra hour minimum, knowing that I can rest it. In the, I had the esky, had the towels, everything ready. So I knew I had that extra time. So it takes a little bit of that stress away knowing that, well, for whatever reason, maybe I opened the door too much. Maybe for whatever reason, maybe I fuss with it too much and it's not cooking. It's not quite that temperature yet. I've got that bit of buffer. So knowing, knowing that you can rest it is important and knowing to give yourself that extra cooking time. And I think I was originally going to put mine on about 5am and I said, I'll, I'll commit and I'll get up at three. And I prepped it that morning too. I didn't want to leave it overnight. So I actually got up early, prepped it got it on at four gave myself plenty of time and happy days yeah yeah no it's um uh, one of the customers yesterday i said it comes back to the old saying proper preparation prevents piss poor performance so if you if you put the effort in you're going to get a good result and it's you see if you follow those basic steps you, you don't fuss over it you use Good quality rub. You, you you get the right smoke. You you maintain a good temperature, and you allow yourself enough time. You're going to get a really good result if you if you follow those five basic steps. That'll make the world a difference to to the way you cook barbecue. You'll enjoy it more. You, you get it out. Everyone's come round to dinner, whether it be family or friends or whatever it might be. You might be celebrating your kid's birthday or whatever and you, you want to showcase what you can do. And you, you, you bring it out of the esky and, and it's like, wow, this is awesome. And like I said before, there's, there's that guy in that class that, um, that said, oh, these are fucking amazing. How cool would that be if you... you um, if you could actually get to that point where your friends and family actually said to you, Matt, this is fucking amazing. Like that was, that is like the, the, the highest of compliments. And 
and, and for for me, I've I've had guys that just say that it's incredible and it's amazing, and I get people asking me to cook barbecue all the time and through the fishing club and whatever a couple of times a year I'll cook for them. But um, that just just by following those basic five steps, not freaking out, use a good quality rub, don't over smoke it, use a nice low temperature that's going to allow you, allow it to be forgiving if you do make mistakes um, and allow plenty of time for it to rest and time for it to cook. Give yourself plenty of time because there's nothing worse than people turning up and it's not being right. So I think with um with that said and done, mate, I think we've 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 had a pretty long um episode today, mate, and a, a pretty long chat. Thank you so much for your time as always, Matt. Yeah, no, no dramas, appreciate the time. Um just just to finish off, my next thing, which I'm going to try and we've had, we've had a few chats. I'm going to try and uh, figure out the best one. I've just got some goat meat recently um, that I harvested. So I'm just going to try and look for some techniques on that. So I'm going to be trying to put that in the smoker and do a, uh, do a leg of goat in the smoker. So um, if anyone out there has done it before, uh, listening to the podcast, that'd be good. You could probably hit up Paul and let him know how you went and I can get some, even get some tips and advice on, on goat meat. It's pretty lean and, bit gamey so i'm looking to do that so yeah so that'll be with, that'll, that'll that'll be our next chat so with the with the gamey meat i would go the three little pigs memphis which is designed for lamb and game meat venison and stuff like that um i'd be using that and i'd probably rub it just in that um so i'd go i'd probably brine it first so i'd do like a maybe a brine for sort of seven to eight hours overnight and then i would put it into the smoker and i would cook it really low um but i would mustard three little pigs memphis and then it depends on if you want to do pulled pulled leg if you want to pull the goat's leg um you can um probably push it out to sort of that 195 till it's 195 to 205 till it's fall off the bone and that'll really um, give you a good result, I reckon. Uh, that's probably the best way. I might actually, I'm going to have a chat with Chris Mark, so I might even ask him the question and uh, we can go from there. Yeah, it'd be perfect. That'll be hopefully in the next week or so, maybe the next weekend or something. I'm going to try and try and get that and give that a good crack. So looking forward yeah. to it. All right, cool. No dramas, man. Thanks again for your time. Thanks, thanks, thanks everybody for listening. And uh, we will... Catch you next time. I'm Paul, the Barbecue Guy. Check out my website, thebarbecueguy.com.au. Follow us on Facebook at Paul, the Barbecue Guy, and Instagram. And uh, don't forget to check out the YouTube channel with my latest videos, Paul, the Barbecue Guy. Have a good day, guys. Have a good day, Matt. And I'll catch you next time. Thanks, mate. Bye. Hi, everyone. Paul from the Barbecue Guy. Today is September the 14th. 2019. Last night I got some sad news that one of my friends and customers passed away. The reason for me telling you this is I want to tell you his story with his interactions with me. I won't mention this guy's name, but when they listen to the podcast, they'll know who it is.
So this guy had a lot of health problems and he loved his family more than anything, like a lot of us do. Now, it was, it was so important for him to share his love for his family that he would do absolutely anything to be a part of it. And that included spending time with his potential new son-in-law, going to barbecue competitions and helping him wherever he could. Now, the story of this family goes back to three years ago where I was a, a very small business, um, just local people coming and, and buying from me. And whenever I needed help, um, people who'd let me down because they hadn't been to pick something up or whatever it was, this particular person would come to help come and help me and he would help get me out of trouble. Now, th this person was, he was a, probably one of the true gentlest souls you'll ever meet and that his love for barbecue developed by his link with his, his two daughters and one of his daughter's boyfriends. Now, he got involved, his daughter's boyfriend got involved in barbecue and started coming to, to see me to get barbecue supplies. They lived locally. And a friendship built between all four of them. All four of them come to help me at Meatstock this last year, which I'm incredibly grateful for. What The point I want everyone to get out of this is, is that Barbecue just isn't something that you love, but it's something that your whole family becomes to enjoy and love. And I know that's the same for my family as well. My family has become addicted to barbecue. They eat my food. They, they eat so much of it, they almost get sick of it sometimes and they go, Paul, cook something other than, than brisket and pork and beef ribs or, or pulled pork. Just cook something different. And I try different things and... Yeah, so, but it's more about what it does for a family. It unites families. And I want you to be able to unite your family as well. Whether it's just you and your partner, whether it be and your kids, your parents, your siblings, whatever it is. I want you to use barbecue to unite your family and Use that as an opportunity to, to get everyone together. There's, there's nothing more traditional than once a fortnight, once a month, or even once a year, everybody getting together and enjoying time together around some awesome cooked barbecue or food for any matter. Um, my tribute goes out to um, my dear friend and... Uh, I thank him for for helping me with with all of my barbecue endeavours. Um, as you can hear, I'm I'm still a little bit upset by this. So uh, on that thought, thank you very much for listening. It is only a short podcast today, but I implore you to spend more time with your family and your friends by cooking more barbecue and. Uh, and just enjoy each other's company because we no never know 
when theirs or our time will be up. Thank you very much. My name is Paul and I'm from The Barbecue Guy. Enjoy your family, love each other and have a great day.